0: Ron and Anian. I think I wore out my voltmeter this week. I don't think I've ever done this. The Car Doctor. Do you realize that over an emissions scandal that some people are saying, oh, it's not a big deal, they've lost 23 phones? I gotta tell you, I don't think the future looks so bright and rosy for Volkswagen. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian. The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to. For their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now... Welcome, Ron and Indian, The Car Doctor. Come on in, sit down. 855-560-9900 is the phone number. Cardoctorshow.com is the website. Looking for more information, looking for streaming, you want to take this radio show on podcast. And by the way, if you do take this radio show on podcast, and we thank you for that, our podcast numbers grow each and every week as long as long as well as our affiliates. Please click subscribe. It's very important for us. Obviously, as much as I enjoy doing this radio show, it is a business at the end of the day, and we do have to uh, pay the bills, so to speak. So if you click subscribe, it's a simple act. Do nothing else. Click subscribe on podcast. It shows our sponsors just what exactly is going on, and um, it helps us, you know, sell the cause and keep us here and uh, keep us giving you information each and every week, each and every year as we have these past 20 – you know, we're about to bark on – what is it, 26 years? 27 years? Somebody somebody, do the math since 1991. You guys figured out. I'm busy. Let's get over and kick the garage doors open. Doug and where are we going? Line. Let's go to Doug and New Rochelle on 97 Chevy K1500, line one, and uh, start with line one this hour, and we're going to roll along because I understand the calls are backed up, some problems with a misfire. Doug, welcome to the car, doctor, sir. How can I help?
1: Hey, Ron. Happy New Year to you and your crew, and thanks for taking my call.
0: Thank you, sir. Glad to be here for you. What's cooking?
1: Yeah, real quick. I got, you know, it's a 97. It's got a 5.7 Vortec in it. Right. About during the summer, I was like starting to miss. I was having problems. I brought it over to the local guy, said it needed a tune up. Okay. I said, do what you have to do. (laughs) The guy changed everything, even. I don't know why he changed the whole distributor, but it took him a week to get the thing set right. So, evidently, the guy he's got working for him really isn't that good. So, anyways, finally that got running to about. I'd say two weeks ago, it started messing up again. I took it to a different guy down the street from me. It's a pretty reputable guy, expensive, but I just need the car fixed. Right. So he, he changed the, uh, I had to get the intake manifold gas because the antifree was leaking. He did that. Then he said he, said that he believes that the main cause of the uh, misfire, you know, all that stuff was the uh, spider uh, injectors. He replaced that. Very, very expensive job. Two grand. So, Go ahead. Everything was running. They got it back, it started running. About two days later, I had a problem with it again. I took it back. I left it with him overnight. He had to replace the IAC and the uh, TPS. Okay. So, since he did that, everything's been running. I'm coming home yesterday. I stopped somewhere to get back in the car, and all of a sudden, the check engine light starts flashing, and it got like a, a misfire code on it. It said it was a P0304 said cylinder number four misfire detected okay i'm I'm, I'm baffled you know i'm putting a lot of money into this car and getting no results
0: (laughs) so let's 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 go back to the beginning doug back in the summer when this started having the when all this started all right? right did it have a check engine light on then yeah okay did it have a fault code It had to right
1: i believe so but i just don't remember what the heck it was
0: was it the same cylinder was it was it a 304 do you recall No, it
1: wasn't the cylinders at all
0: um, it was, it was, uh, 1345.
1: No, it was something with, the. I think maybe the, uh, what the hell you call it? Uh, O2 sensors or something, if I remember.
0: Okay. Uh, lean fuel code, lean fault code, maybe a 171 or 174.
1: i uh, I think so. I'm not a hundred percent sure
0: on it. I should have jotted it down, but I didn't. All right. Here's the deal. What does new mean? How long are you listening to this radio show? What does new mean, Doug? <laughs> new. New well, means new. New means never, ever worked. Right? right. So, you know, every part that these guys have put in in the past six months, right. I, you know, new means never ever worked. I had a 2011 Jeep Liberty at the shop this week that dogged me that had a misfire, had a P0303. Only when it was warming up, only at the exact moment of temperature, only at the exact, you know, so many seconds had to pass, so many minutes and seconds, so much temperature, and then once it hit a certain temp point, it was gone. Right. All right. Sat there with the scope. I saw the primary fail. Um, about ninety percent of the way there, ready to pull the trigger on a coil. I never saw the problem again. The rest of the day, and the customers I gave customers driving the car this weekend. He said, "Why did you just put a coil in it?" Because I'd have to put a new coil in it. New doesn't mean good. New means never, ever worked. And until I confirm the problem, I can't tell you to definitely put that part in. My point, what I did on his case was I swapped coils one and threes out there driving it. Let's see where the fault comes back. But my point to you is, you know, you've got to go back over what's been done at this point.
1: Right. All right.
0: Your biggest problem is it was guy A and now guy B. All right. Right. And it sounds like guy A was a little bit of a, you know. Oh, boy, uh, you know, yes. what, what did they do and how did they do it? And my first question and concern is, what's the quality of the parts that were used? Do we, have a, do we have something as simple as a parts issue here? If he put a distributor in it and he didn't understand what he was doing, did he treat this like he was setting timing? Do you know you don't set timing on that engine? You, you do something called you set camshaft retard using right. a scan tool where you've got to bring it over 1,000 RPM, look at it on a scan tool, and set the distributor that way.
1: Well, I can tell you that, Ron. Exactly what you're saying is I I googled it, and I came up with that. These guys that he's got working for him
0: had no clue. Right. That's my point. So I don't know how they got it running. So if, you know, depending upon how this runs, listen, every time I get involved in a headache, I always go back to the beginning. As costly as it's going to be as 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 hardcore expensive and a pain in the neck as it's gonna be, you gotta start somewhere. All right. You know, this is like you had a bad meal, Doug, move on. Get to a better restaurant. All right. Yeah. You, you know, it's it's just time. It's it's the real question is how bad do you want the truck? It's twenty years old. I'm not saying it's not I'm not saying it's not worth fixing. I'm just saying don't bemoan the point. Just move on, get to the next step. Find somebody that can diagnose it. First thing I would do is break this down Look at the quality of the parts. I've seen, you know, gypsy parts that I wouldn't put on a bicycle right. and I could have something here as simple as a bad new plug wire to a bad distributor assembly. I'd be I'd be scared to think if, if it took them a week to get it running, what kind of a distributor they used, who's who's aftermarket remand piece of junk you know, that fell off the truck somewhere and rattled around for three years, because let's face it, it's a 97, it's 20 years old, it's not like it's factory fresh. Um, Right. You know, how old are these reconditioned parts that they're putting on the truck? So there's a lot of factors here, okay? You can't sit here and say, oh, my God, it's a you know, I'm putting a lot of money in this truck because you may be putting a lot of unnecessary money in the truck because the the mechanics are dope. Uh, Exactly. There's no other way to say it, all right? A part changer. You know, a a part changer. (laughs) And and changing parts today creates more problems than the problems themselves. I just I just purchased I just purchased this week a Snap On Modus their scan tool, right? And in making this decision, and it was a business decision. All right. I, besides, I needed an even two dozen in the shop. Um, yeah, and I say that <laughs> kiddingly, sort of, but you know, in in making the decision. I said, you know, you need to have a decent amount of scan tools to pick from. You need to have an arsenal. You need to know what's good and what's bad. And 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 part of my business decision process was simply that you know, when I look at a problem, I want to know that I've got some resources because it's 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 not a game for the faint of heart anymore. It's not it's not simple problems anymore. And I was talking to the Snap-on my Snap-on dealer and I I, I told him I said, "You know, Jay, I said, the business today is 80% of the cars are fixed with scan tools and sensors and codes. You know, it's a P0171. The car's running lean. You, you sniff it. You, you propane it. You find a, an intake gasket or a bad O2 or a bad mass airflow. It's cut and dry stuff. That last 20% becomes real hardcore. Get out the lab scope, which is why I bought the Modus. It's got a built-in lab scope. I was looking to upgrade one of my scopes to something else and it gives you some ability with troubleshooter and a bunch of other information. Out of that last 20%, 15% fall into that category. The last 5%, half of them don't get fixed because nobody wants to spend the money, and the other 2.5%, just, you, you'll just either beat yourself to death or beat the car to death trying to resolve it. And my point is that as simple as the business has become, it still requires some knowledge. So these guys that are just changing parts... Absolutely. If they didn't know what cam retard was, I'm holy, telling you. holy cow, put the wrench down, step away from the car, buddy, because you know, you know, you're I, lost. I'm telling you, the, the guy that owns the place is a really good mechanic. He he worked
1: years ago for Ford, and his, and his four brothers, they got, you know, two two very well-established businesses. But the guys he's got working for him, I don't know where he finds them.
0: Well... You know, honestly, you know,
1: I don't want to get into that one.
0: Well, and you know what, Doug, and I don't get into that because I don't, you know what, I'm not there. I try not to judge. All I can say is people come in all day long and they say to me, hey, you're still fixing cars. Aren't you ready to retire? No, because my name's still on the building. And um, (laughs) as as long as I've got to sit there and and, and face the repair, I'm going to continue to do the repair. And that's the bottom line because that's the way it is at my shop. So, listen, sir, you have a good new year. Get somebody to diagnose that. You need more help, give me a call. We'll go from there. Ron, thanks again. I really appreciate take, that. You take good care. Okay. I'm Ronanini and in the car. Doctor eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. We're coming back right after this. Car
1: and a
2: thousand dollar car.
0: Welcome back. We're on the, end of the Car Doctor. Let's real quick get over to Brian in Rochester, New York. I believe that is, 09 Buick. Brian, welcome to The Car Doctor, sir. How can I help?
2: Hi, Ron. How are you?
0: Well, I'll tell you what. I'm uh, enjoying my weekly jaunt talking to you guys. Um, you know, believe it or not, I, I, st- I still look for... Tom figured it out. It's 25 years. So uh, I still look forward to doing this 25 years later. So uh, I Hopefully, guess... I, I yes, guess yeah. will be. Yeah. I, you know what? It's... It's it's matter of fact, we were off last, last weekend and when I picked up Tony at the train today he says, uh-huh. I gotta tell you, boss, it's good to be back He said, I was lost last weekend, I didn't know what to do with myself. He said, I had all that free time and I missed doing the show. So it's this is this exactly. this thing's like a it kinda gets under your skin that you just wanna keep doing it. So but anyway, sure. what can I what can I do for you today, Brian? How can I help?
2: Uh, yes, okay. Um, like Tom said, I have a 2009 Buick Lesarn CXL, okay, and I'm going to be going away for a couple of months, and I'm leaving my car home. Okay. I was, I was just wondering um, about disconnecting the battery, okay, because my biggest concern about that part is I have the memory seat for my driver's side, Uh, I was wondering how it's going to affect my radio settings, and I also have remote control start, and the OnStar system is active.
0: It won't affect OnStar, to my knowledge. No? It will will in all likelihood wipe out the memory seat and wipe out the um, uh, radio settings, depending upon how long. I don't think GM hard memories those into them. I've and i say that because i've had the okay. experience in the shop where we'll do a, we'll do a memory saver when we replace a battery we'll we'll plug into the obd2 port and use okay. that to save memory and i've had it where on certain cars you know sometimes it takes 5 minutes sometimes it takes 20 minutes because you're putting a battery in a car and somebody you have to go look at this you have to go look at that you get interrupted it'll be a similar model car and it won't it won't retain the memory if you don't use the memory saver um, you know, we try to use a memory saver every time, but you know what? Sometimes you're you're either the tools out, or you're just you're you're mm-hmm. rushing to get your day done. So you know, expect that. As far as the remote start, that shouldn't matter to my knowledge. That shouldn't matter because that's a that's a hard wire, hard memory. That's a safety thing. It's got to work a specific okay. way. Um, okay. I would right. I I would be mildly surprised if it didn't. Where I would expect not a problem, but a change. Of consequence would be that when you disconnect the battery and it it loses its memory, you're going to have to relearn the car in a sense. And you may have to clean the throttle body. You may want to have that service done prior to disconnecting the battery. And then at least when it's, you know, when you reconnect the battery, you're starting off with a clean throttle body and you can do the relearn right there in the garage. And, you know, this, this is a case of look at the front door of your house. You've opened and closed it how many times over how many years you've lived there. You know, it doesn't close as tight anymore. It doesn't seal as good anymore. It doesn't sit as flush anymore. Dirt builds up. The gasket expands. The wood gets a little... Things change with the opening. That throttle body, think of a carburetor back in the days when dirt was young and so was the car doctor, and we had carburetors on cars, and the throttle plate was there at the bottom of the carburetor, that flapper. Well, it still builds up carbon. It's worse on throttle body cars now, and it'll build up a carbon deposit. The computer learns that setting over time. But when you disconnect the memory, now you've just taken it from being 12 years old to an infant again, and it has to to learn all over. So if it's clean, at least when you reconnect it, it's learning all over from a base setting that's programmed into its software that it shouldn't have an effect okay makes sense
2: no, definitely, definitely
0: and then yeah. once once you so i would you know when i when you start this when you come back in a couple of months start it mm-hmm. yeah give it give it five minutes to find its mind you wake up you wake up from a deep winter sleep you're you, you get five minutes to find your mind right the car's no different yeah. give it a break exactly let it find its mind put it in drive foot on the brake put it in drive, turn on the heater, turn on the air conditioning, go through a little bit of a, you know, let it see its engine load. We're looking at thinking about electrical and engine load here. And then take it for a ride, a little bit of, you know, easy driving, easy braking. If you're storing this, is this going to be in the garage or out? In the garage. So it probably won't rust the rotors as bad, but it'll probably still put some surface rust on the rotors. So uh-huh. you want to knock the rust off, you know, depending upon oh, when sure. your last brake service was done as far as pads and so forth. Maybe you want to have uh-huh. the calipers pulled and lubed uh-huh. up before you go and, you know, go away for three months so we don't have anything stick or get rusty. Um, uh-huh. You know, those are the kind of things you want to think about. And I would I would probably over-inflate the tires a couple of pounds so that okay. when you come back, you don't have flats. Yeah,
2: I know. I know. All right. <laughs> okay. Okay, now, um, if I should decide, well, maybe just to leave the battery connected as it is, uh, would that pose any drawdown on that?
0: No, because that vehicle is new enough, it should have a shut off time. I believe anywhere from 20 minutes to 20 to 45 to 50 minutes, that system will go and shut down and prevent the battery from run down. It's a battery rundown module but that doesn't that doesn't ensure that a battery that sat for 3 months is going to still hold a charge.
2: Um yes, that is very true. That so, is very
0: So, you know, true. it depends on the age of the battery uh-huh. and it depends on, you know, temperature and the environment it's stored in. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a you got a nickel in your pocket, toss it. Guess which way it comes up and if you try that then go with that and see which way sure. it works. Um Okay. Well, you know, the the other option here is mm-hmm. Are you going to be taking these travels? Are you going to be traveling, you know, on a regular basis? Brian, is is this something that's going to occur more than once, or is this a one-time thing?
2: No, actually, we've been doing this, me and my family have been doing this for about the last four years. Okay. Okay, I had a previous Buick, which was a 2000 Sabre. I always disconnected the battery, and then when we came back in the spring, I mean, it's I reconnect it and then it right, starts yeah, right up.
0: Different animal, space. You know, space from from the Wright brothers to the space shuttle. What you may want to do is go Google search OBD two um, trickle chargers. They're out there, and you can plug it into the OBD two port and trickle charge the battery that way, or do a solar charger if the vehicle is parked outside. Take a look at that and consider that. I'm Ron Annie in and the Car Doctor. We're coming back right after this. Ron the Car Doctor, rolling along, attitude-free, ready to talk to Larry in Pittston, Maine, 04 Chevy Silverado. Larry, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help?
3: Hi, Ron. Uh, I've got an older, well, it's not old, 2004. It is older, but I'm starting to be getting uh, quite a few uh, minor problems with it. It still runs fine and, and everything, but the uh, heater and air conditioner, uh, actually, the air conditioner doesn't work at all. Right. Uh, the heater only works on, on high, which is 5. Right. And uh, someone was telling me that possibly just a relay that might affect both of those?
0: I'm um, not aware of a relay that affects affect both. They're generally, when the blower only works on high, it's a blower-resistor issue. Uh, you know, the first thing I would do, because this is an 0.4, um, well, let me ask, let me ask this question, Larry. Any other issues with it? Anything else not working or working?
3: Uh, yes, just this past week, uh, the uh, speedometer uh, is, uh, stopped working. Uh, well, God, it doesn't work at all. It's, it's right now it's sitting on about 120 and it's sitting in, in park in my driveway. So.
1: Okay.
0: Um, well, that's a, uh, that's, a, a that's a pretty fast park job. Check engine light on. <laughs>
3: Uh, the odometer works okay, you know, just so it's still computing the, the amount of miles we're putting on it, but All right, so, the, so the odometer works.
0: So that means, that means the the check engine light's not on, is what you're saying, no, right? No, it is not. And And I bet the cruise control would work fine, too, if you have, I don't know if you've tried it. No,
3: I haven't tried the cruise control, but I assume it does still work fine.
0: Yeah, and I'm going to I'm gonna go on that assumption because that's what it sounds like it's going to be to me. So what's probably wrong with the speedometer, speedometer, we'll start with the easy one first. What's probably wrong with the speedometer is the cluster itself. They've got a little stepper motor in there. Um, you ever play with slot cars as a kid? Uh, yes. Yeah, so it's just a little electric stepper motor like the slot cars we used to send around the track and they have a habit of getting stuck. There's more than a few bulletins out there. At one point, GM was doing a quiet sort of a make-the-customer-happy kind of a recall for these vehicles where they were exchanging or rebuilding the clusters. Uh, there are probably still some out there, and you might as well send the whole cluster out and get it done because sooner or later the gauges themselves are going to work or are going to be an issue um, as well. They're going to hang up. They change vendors on blend on, uh stepper motors, and, you know, that solved that. So that's, I think, a separate problem from all this. But if if those are the three things we're dealing with, then I'm going to oh, tell you. Have... Oh, go ahead. Why, is there more?
3: Yeah, I do have one other thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, wipers, although they work, when you turn it off, they they may continue running for, you know, two or three minutes or even until you uh, turn the the ignition off. Okay. So, and I'm
0: going
3: the In the same way. You, you put it on, you're just on the very low end of it, and it'll just keep running. And
0: Okay. So. I'm, I'm going to say that that is a switcher motor. It, it'd have to be diagnosed, but I, I really think, believe it or not, you've got four separate things going on here. Okay. I, I think the speedometer is going to be the cluster itself and the stepper motors. The wiper I would diagnose as a separate issue, just looking at switch and and motor operation. Specifically, I would check the motor ground, because I've seen the motor loss of ground become an issue, causing those wipers to run more or longer than they should, corroded ground, I should say. And Mm -hmm. um, the uh, blower is generally a blower resistor, which is located in the EVAP AC box under the right side of the glove box. And the AC not coming on could be anything from empty system, no charge, bad compressor, uh, a switch not sending proper signal to an ECM command. So where I was going to start when we began this conversation is here's a perfect example of a vehicle that I would, if it were in the shop, I would perform a full system scan. I'd turn the key on, plug in a scan tool, and let it go to town. I want to know every code that's in this thing. I want to know every module that's not happy, and I want to know what fault code it's setting, and that would help me in my diagnosis. And if you notice, there's no check engine light on. Exactly. So, you know, here's a case, you know, like I'm always banging the drum up on the soapbox about just because the check engine light's not on, scan it. Here's a perfect example why. And I would I would by all means take a look at that and, and start treating each thing on an individual basis.
3: Okay. Uh, I would... Just listening to the, your the caller that you had just prior to myself, uh, would disconnecting that battery or anything possibly correct any of these problems?
0: No, don't see how it would. Okay. Don't 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 see how it would, you know. And that's not a diagnosis. That's a guess. I would I would I would, and I understand. Uh, you know, listen. We all want to reach for. We all want the silver bullet. But, you know, it, it, it doesn't work that way. It's And as a matter of fact, disconnecting the battery, um, here, let me explain it like this. My job, part of my job here on Radio Larry is to help make you guys better diagnosticians or just to even understand the car better. If we start getting in the habit of disconnecting the battery, maybe not on this job, maybe next time the check engine light's on and you say, hey, you know what, disconnecting the battery worked. Let me disconnect the battery, see if I can get the check engine light to go out. You'll get the check engine light to go out, okay. Plus all the mm-hmm. information and freeze frame and code and data, you know, anything that it's stored, you've now just deleted it all. So now, yeah. if, if the problem that you don't know what it is gets worse, the next time that light comes on, it may not keep the car running. It may put you on the side of the road. And okay. yeah. you know, so might it's have, not I haven't
3: even thought about the data that might be stored.
0: Right, but, uh... right. And I don't think there's a lot of data stored <laughs> in your case. Not in this case. But you know what? Until you scan it, you know, it's 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 just sort of like, um, do you know what color shirt you're going to wear tomorrow, Larry? No, not really. Okay. And you know what? You don't know what you don't know because you don't know it. Until you scan this car, you don't know. And, oh, you know, you gotta, well, you got to go through and look me, at it. Uh, giving me some uh, things to look at
3: or at least have uh... – a mechanic look at, it, yep. I don't have any real equipment to work on anything. So, yep.
0: yep. No, I understand. I'm glad I did, Larry. I'm glad I got to you. So, okay. Good. All right, sir. You have a good New Year, yeah, and nice we'll we'll see that. you on the other side. Yes, sir. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. I'm Ron Annie in the car, Doctor. I'll be back right after this. Welcome back, running The Car Doctor. Let's get over and talk to Scott Warwick, New York, 07 Lincoln Town Car with a battery issue. Yes, Scott, welcome to The Car Doctor, sir. How can I help?
4: Hi, great great to hear from you. Thank you, sir. Well, I got an issue where when the car's parked, the battery discharges. Okay. Now, to use the old school way with the test light between the negative terminal and the battery, and I found that when I pull fuse 114 on the right fender well in the fuse box, the battery holds the charge. Now, that fuse seems to control the dash lights, the interior lights, and the car won't start with the fuse pulled. So where do I go next?
0: But that fuse is not part of the charging circuit.
4: No, no, no. It's, it's draining the battery when parked.
0: Oh, oh, okay. Okay, you've got a battery drain. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So, so give, it to, give it to me one more time.
4: When it's parked, the battery discharges. Right Now, when I park the car, I pull the hood, I open up the battery, the fuse panel on the right front fender well, and I pull out fuse 114. The battery stays charged, but that fuse controls the dash lights, the whole dash goes out, the interior lights, and the car won't crank when you turn the key with that fuse Does out. Does it
0: control the sun visor? Is there, are there lights in the sun visors?
4: That I'm not sure.
0: If there's there are lights in the sun visors, if there's lights in the sun visors, and that that fuse controls it, yeah. If I was it's the lighting
4: if, control module,
0: yeah. Well, if I if I'm from my seat here, if I'm guessing, and I want to look for the silver bullet, first yeah. thing, first thing I'm doing is I'm checking to see if the uh, sun visors are an issue. I've seen it where the wires break, they short internally, the lights stay on. It's almost like you have to, and and one of the ways you find it because the only other choice you've got here is you're on the circuit. Now you've got to get a wiring diagram and start to look for, you know, what on that circuit can you disconnect and isolate circuit by circuit off that fuse right, one right. at a time, all right? But if I want to cheat, because I'm lazy, you know, my job as a mechanic is to get halfway to the problem as fast as I can before I get to the whole problem as fast as I can. So I've got to get you halfway. Right. So, what, you know, listen, <laughs> there have been nights I've stayed late at the shop. It's dark. All the lights are out. I'll sit and I'll wait. Da-da-da. any lights coming on? No, okay, and I'll start to look around the car and I will look at sun visors and i'll see you can see the dim of the light through the visor. It's on even in the closed position. Wow, all right now I, like that one. I gotta check you know that that'd be the first place I've seen it where the wires break well, and actually, if they break in the roof line or in the headliner. That's a case of that'll blow the fuse, but in the case of a draw, I'm looking for a bulb. Now, do you have a, do you have a digital volt ohm meter, Scott? Can you put an yes. amp can you so can you put an amp meter on that and get a milliamp draw? Tell me how many amps it is, or how many milliamps it is? You know, if this is two amps, we're looking for a bulb. If this is five amps, we're looking for a module, you know, that kind of a thing. We start to look at the amount of the draw and say, okay, because of the size, you know, we're looking for something this big or that big. Start to do Ohm's Law. You know know, it's a 12-volt circuit, you know, how much resistance is in there. You know, put an average resistance number in there, pick something, and, you know, or do it the other way. If it's it's 12 volts and 2 amps, figure out resistance. Now go back and figure 12 volts resistance. Start playing with the resistance number until you get to the one you've got. If that seems like a reasonable resistance for the circuit, that kind of makes sense. Now you can go and pick and say, all right, is this a bulb? Is this a module? Is this a component? What is this? and and start to look at it this way. If it if it makes you feel any better, int, you know, electrical draws like this are, are kind of maddening. Just oh, yeah. <laughs> just this week, I picked up a thermal imager. We're going to try this technology going into 2017. To
4: detect the heat
0: from yeah, the source? To, to detect the heat from the source. Wow. Uh, you know, just, you know, it's going to, we picked up the Snap-on thermal. I made the Snap-on guy very happy this year at Christmas. Oh, yeah. um, I, I, I bought a thermal inj- imager and a new scan tool, but we... Uh, um you know, you take a picture of it, you'll see the heat source and it helps you track it down. So the the technology's getting better because the problems are getting more difficult to find. Yeah. And you know, that's what we're dealing with. By the way, I used the thermal imager on the dryer at the house this morning and I and I found the leaky gasket and I replaced that so the dryer's fixed at home too. So uh you know what, you apply technology, it works. At
4: least you're getting your money's worth. I'm
0: getting my money's worth. Absolutely, baby. All right. All right, thanks, Ron. You're very welcome, Scott. You take good care. Um, Real quick, piece of email. This came, uh, you know, in the the first hour. This comes to us from Jerry. I was talking about maintenance schedules. Jerry writes, he says, Hey, Ron, maintenance schedule on my RAV4 calls for an oil change every 10,000 miles and a tire rotation every 5,000 miles. The latter seems excessive to me. Do you agree? Um, Depends. You know, how many miles does the car go? Does it, you know, what kind of shape are the tires in? Is this... You know, is this a front-wheel drive, an all-wheel drive? What kind of tires? What kind of condition? I think, you know, again, what I think is out of whack here is the oil change every 10,000 miles. Here's what I want everybody to do. You want to have some fun next year? The first time everybody goes in for an oil change next year to their dealership or their manufacturer, let's say it like that, or their repair shop, and they're calling for an oil change beyond 7,000 miles, Ask them to see the spec sheet on the oil filter they're using. Tell them you want to see, you know, hey, I want to know that this oil filter is going to work beyond 7,000 miles. I haven't seen it yet. You know, some oil filters will. Some of the Wix filters will go, you know, beyond seven and 8,000 miles. Some of them will go to 10. But mainstream what's available to most repair shops on a regular, steady basis, it's not in the marketplace. People don't want to pay for it. So, you know, that that OE Toyota filter, that OE Honda filter, Ford filter, GM, whatever, none of them are rated to go beyond 7,000 miles that I've seen. And all the engineers that I've talked to, because automobiles are all about numbers, let's face it, numbers build the car, talk to an engineer. Uh, You know, none of the filters I've seen go beyond that 7,500-mile mark, unless it's specifically suited for high mileage. It's not going to work. So, you know what, Jerry? I think the tire rotation is probably more along the lines of every 6 to 8, depending upon how you operate it. But that oil change at 10, no, sir, I think that's wrong. I think that's asking for a problem. And um, I think you should question them on how good that oil filter is before you start wanting to go with a 10,000-mile oil change interval. And, P.S., if you are changing the oil every 10,000 miles, start checking it at 5,000 miles and be careful because when it runs low, if you don't catch it, you're going to create a problem later in life when that vehicle has 70 and 80,000 miles on it. 855-560-9900. I'm Ron Anany, The Car Doctor. I'm coming back right after this. That's right. I just want to bang on the toolbox all day and keep on fixing cars. Ron and and the car doctor here, 855-560-9900. Quick comment about a repair this week in the shop. Uh, one, of the, one of the outside shops brought us a 2005 Mercury Milan for a computer refresh. Um, and by the way, if you're a uh, uh, Milan or a uh, Fusion, actually it was a 2008 Milan, but a, if you're a Fusion or a Milan owner... That generation be aware that there is a bulletin out there that specifically talks about this problem. One of the ignition coil drivers in the PCM stuck on took out one of took out the coil, subsequently blew the coil, took out the PCM which is already bad anyway, and created a very expensive repair. They put six coils in it, put a computer in it, brought me the vehicle because I had to flash it they don 't do flashing, and I flashed it you know went through and installed new software so the computer would wake up and do its job I asked them specifically and they gave it to me for both or as many ignition keys as the vehicle had and this is gonna become a common thing and this is you know be aware now when you drop the car off for repair you may get asked this question and it's not that the shop is doing something funny there's no shenanigans going on but I needed all the keys in order to learn the anti-theft system, because what happened was put a new computer in it, put new software in it. When I did that, I erased the memory of the PCM, of the engine controller, uh, as far as what ignition keys it expected to see to allow the vehicle to start. Did the reflash? PCM work? it had software. Had to go through and do a PATS or a security system reset and relearn the ignition keys. You need a minimum on a Ford product of two keys. Vehicle manufacturers, they all vary. So not having those two keys, that vehicle would have sat there. So you know what? When you're doing flashing, it's a whole nother world. But be aware, a shop may ask you for that. Hey, till the next time, I want to do a quick shout out and say thank you to my guys for being here this New Year's Eve. Till the next time, Ronnie and on a car doctor. The mechanics are expensive. They're priceless.